Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Most homeowners would prefer grass to a lawn full of weeds. But to forensic scientists, weeds can tell a story. With the help of a plant biologist and a new high-tech computer program, investigators solved the mystery of a young girl's murder. Weekends were typically busy in the Mauser household. One Saturday morning in 1995, as Kathy Mauser was leaving for work, she reminded her 14-year-old daughter Jenna that she was grounded for the weekend and wasn't allowed to use the telephone either. Jenna was having some behavioral issues. A lot of 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds might have those kinds of issues when they're growing up. Lots of pressures, social pressures, uh, problems within the family. She was having such trouble that the family was taking her to counseling. Kathy returned home from work around 1 p.m. And as soon as she tried to open the door, she knew something was wrong. Mrs. Mauser found the front door locked, which she said was unusual because usually there's, there's somebody there. And she was expecting Jenna to be there, so the front door would have been unlocked. Jenna wasn't home, and she hadn't left the note saying where she went. They just figured she was upset and she had basically just walked away, you know, or she was just with one of her friends or, or, yeah. None of the neighbors saw Jenna leave or noticed anything suspicious. When Jenna's stepfather and brother arrived home several hours later, they searched the neighborhood and called all her friends, but no one knew where Jenna was. Later that night, The Mausers called police to report their daughter missing. The next morning, the Mausers learned that the nude body of a teenaged girl was discovered in a ditch about 20 miles outside of town. The family identified Jenna's body at the morgue. The reality of her being murdered rather than an accident, or it didn't hit me. I didn't understand, really, that that something like that could happen in my life. It was it was hard to deal with, and and to it was just such an unfair act, and I, I couldn't couldn't understand it for a long time. The coroner identified the cause of death as strangulation. There were other injuries as well. In addition to the ligature strangulation marks, uh, she also had evidence of blunt force injury to the head. She had received a blow to the head in the left forehead area and the left temple. There were no defensive wounds and no signs of sexual assault. Uh, The scalp here is brown, about 14 inches in length. Well, the soles of the feet were uh, clean in this case, and that indicates to me that she, she certainly was not Uh, standing up at the scene where she was found, and she certainly did not walk there. The only other findings were some unusual marks on Jenna's thigh. 
indentations that were made after death. On a living person, these fade very quickly. In this case, these are postmortem pressure marks. Uh, they don't tend to fade because the the color comes as the blood leaks out of the vessels by gravity after death, and it more or less outlines the area of pressure. And then it stays that way indefinitely until the body decomposes. The Mauser's telephone records yielded the first clue. Despite the fact Jenna was told not to use the telephone, she called several friends that morning. Yeah, you should talk to him. Really, is a senior? Well, you'll see him Monday. Around 11.30, Jenna's conversation with her friend ended abruptly. Hello? Jenna? Jenna? One of the last people that she speaks with says that the phone goes dead. Jenna doesn't call back. My friend pages her a couple of times. Jenna never calls back. Police found Jenna's diary in her bedroom, which had an entry from the morning of her murder. Dear Journal, sorry I haven't written you, but I've been pretty busy. Things have been going pretty good at school, except for the fact that guys don't even know I'm alive half the time. The diary expressed a specific interest in two boys. One was considerably older than Jenna, a boy she met at a local amusement park. He was a young man, about 18 or 19 years old, who was preying on children that were not age-appropriate. He was older than us, um, not, not the best kind of person that you'd probably want to want to be with, but he, there was something that she saw in him that attracted her to him. Investigators needed to start checking alibis, and there was one that almost defied belief. The Mauser family had planned a traditional funeral service for their 14-year-old daughter, Jenna until her friend Sarah Hollander told them about a conversation the two once had about funerals. We got on the topic of funerals, and she did not want a, her funeral to be a sad thing. She doesn't like it when people are sad. She loves to make people happy. She loves to make people laugh. And so she definitely did not want her funeral to, to portray something that she wasn't about. So the Mausers allowed Sarah to help plan the funeral service, one that was closer to Jenna's wishes. Doug Mauser took his stepdaughter's death particularly hard. He had raised Jenna since she was two years old and treated her like his own. She truly did have a great relationship with him and, and loved him, and, and he loved her. He was very active in her life. In the search for Jenna's killer, Investigators looked inside the Mauser's home, but found no clues. Everything was basically in its place. Nothing knocked over or anything to indicate that, that Jenna was fighting and screaming as she went out the door. This raised the possibility that Jenna left home voluntarily. What the Sheriff's Department did was try and identify any boys she might have known or, or maybe if um, boys she might have left the house with. Even though she was grounded, maybe she'd get in a car with them and drive away. 
police were able to identify the two boys Jenna mentioned in her diary. Both had alibis for the day of the murder. So police turned their attention to the whereabouts of Jenna's family members. Jenna's 18-year-old brother, Jaron, had a solid alibi. The neighbors have him placed there for an hour, hour and a half or so. And uh, that's the time period where Jenna disappears. Jenna's mother, Kathy, was teaching an aerobics class at the local gym, so her alibi checked out, too. Jenna's stepfather, Doug, said he went to work for a few hours. When police tried to verify his alibi, they discovered the security cameras at Doug's office were turned off that day. When he went into the lab, he's got to go through a security gate where all the cars that are coming in are cleared. Initially, the person who was in the booth at the time said they didn't remember seeing him or his car come through. Doug Mauser could give no description of the security guard. And for a man who'd worked at the lab for a number of years, you would think he would know the security guards, remember them, be able to give some description. He could not. So Doug provided a second alibi that he bought lunch at a local fast food restaurant. Coincidentally, the restaurant's security cameras weren't working either. If he didn't have bad luck, he would have no luck at all. I can't really imagine you going into places that are supposed to have video cameras and none of them record you. It was sort of exasperating because of snafus, if you will, you know, We didn't have any tapes. We didn't have any solid stuff to show that he was there. When police looked in Doug's car, they found no blood or any evidence suggesting foul play. And there was no evidence the car had recently been cleaned. But underneath the car, investigators found something trapped in the undercarriage. There was a significant quantity of this dried plant material, some of it very large pieces, uh, and those were removed uh, and analyzed later. But had this plant material been there for weeks, you certainly wouldn't expect to find such large pieces of it still attached to the undercarriage. Could these dried weeds tell investigators anything about Jenna's murder? Doug Mauser told police he was the last person to leave the house on the morning his stepdaughter went missing. He claimed Jenna was cleaning her bedroom when he left. There was no physical evidence that linked him, you know, like hair samples or DNA or anything like that. There were no physical evidence. None. There was zippo, zero, nil, nada, nothing. Yet investigators found some suspicious plant material underneath Doug's car, which they sent to forensic botanist Dr. Fred Ruscia. He identified the usual specimens you'd expect to find underneath a car, grass, dirt, and debris. But he also found large quantities of yellow star thistle, a weed. I saw the yellow star thistle, and then I saw the small scraps that had been taken off the body, and I was able to compare that to material that had been uh, collected from the area around the body and also from the trees that were in the overstory above the canyon where the body was found. Dr. Ruscia was looking for what botanists call 
diagnostic characteristics, unique aspects of the plant that differentiate it from others of the same species. Dr. Rusha discovered the star thistle under Doug Mauser's car was identical in development to the star thistle found near Jenna's body. While this was significant, it wasn't enough to tie Doug Mauser to the murder. Yellow star thistle is not a rare plant. It is an extremely common plant. So in any given area, of, especially of northern California, you and at low elevations, uh, yellow star thistle could be there. And with the other flora under the car, it shows that he's been off-road. So he could have picked it up anywhere. Investigators agreed. So they turned their attention to the linear marks found on Jenna's thigh. The marks were made by a man-made object. They were clearly uh, of a, a shape and appearance that would not be normally found in nature. While looking inside Doug Mauser's car, Detective Bosma thought he found what caused them. The hair on the back of your neck stands up and you're going, this could be one of the marks on her leg. But he didn't tell anyone about his discovery. Instead, he sent photographs of Jenna's skin marks to Gary Robertson, a pioneer in the field of photogrammetry, to see what he thought might have caused them. Robertson wanted to identify the exact size of the marks down to the micromillimeter. So he scanned every autopsy photograph of the marks, which enabled him to create a three-dimensional model. We're extracting a measurement, say, from the left photograph, extracting it from the right photograph, and the computer software merges that into a three-dimensional measurement or a model that we can extract and uh, view later. Judging from the size and shape, Robertson suspected that at least one of the marks was caused by the top part of a seatbelt buckle. This was precisely what Hans Bosma thought, too, but he wanted Robertson's independent analysis. Well, normally I don't have any information, so I wasn't aware of anything about the vehicle. Next, Robertson flew to Modesto, California to conduct an experiment in Doug Mauser's car. He wanted to try to recreate the same skin pattern that was on Jenna's thigh. He placed a live model, the same height and weight as Jenna, in the back seat of the vehicle over the rear seat belt buckle. It was a hatchback, and one of the back seats was broken and was kept flat. The model remained in the same position for 15 minutes, the time it would have taken to drive from Jenna's house to the dump site. When the model was photographed, Robertson and Bosma discovered what caused the other mark on Jenna's leg. When he placed her in there, the, there's carpet on the back of that, that seat back because it lays flat, so you have a nice carpeted area. The carpet bead folds over as he pulls or pushes her over that particular area. And that carpet bead was what one of the indentations were on, on her leg. Just to make sure, Robertson put the model's pictures into his computer and compared them to the marks on Jenna's leg. It was a virtual match. Interestingly, the ripped carpet in the back seat of Doug's car was unusual, something you wouldn't find in other cars. 
When he came back and said, you know, it's a match, boy, we were just ecstatic. We finally gonna be able to nail this guy. Now we got him because now we can put Jen in that car. All the pieces fit together only one way, and that's showing Doug Mauser guilty of killing Jenna. They didn't theorize shit. Excuse me. They didn't theorize shit. I'll say that on the screen. I'd even say it in a courtroom. They didn't have any theory other than he threw the body, killed her, and threw it over the side. And that she was in his car because of the mark on her leg. That's all there was. Based on the forensic botany and photogrammetry, Doug Mauser was arrested and charged with his stepdaughter's murder. Prosecutors wondered what motivated Doug Mauser to kill his 14-year-old stepdaughter, Jenna. How can you possibly imagine someone doing something so horrible? I can't imagine it, but it happens, unfortunately, all the time. Prosecutors found evidence that Jenna didn't always do what her parents asked. She saw a counselor with some regularity. She had oppositional defiant disorder that she was um, very defiant, very aggressive, very confrontational with family, um, with parents. The Mauser's telephone records provided a possible clue. Hey, what are you doing? I just got back from the mall with Annie. Are you going to get her? On the morning of her death, Jenna was on the telephone, violating her parents' rules. His name's Scott. Really? Is he here? Prosecutors believe Doug caught Jenna on the phone, lost his temper, and struck her. Hello? Jenna? Prosecutors believe Doug's impulsive act of violence threatened his career. He couldn't risk an allegation that he had hit her, struck her. He was working at Lawrence Livermore Lab, and he had a security clearance. So any kind of a criminal conviction on his record would have been very difficult for him. Uh, and put his job in jeopardy. With Jenna unconscious and not sure what to do, prosecutors think Doug panicked and strangled her to death. He removed Jenna's clothing to eliminate possible trace evidence. When Doug pushed Jenna's body into the back seat of his car, he displaced the carpet. The underside of the carpet and the seatbelt buckle left signature marks on her skin that wouldn't disappear since there was no blood flow. Doug chose a dump site 15 minutes away, pulled his car off the road, which picked up the bits of star thistle, the same stage of development that was found on Jenna's body. Prosecutors think Doug simply got lucky when the security cameras at both his office and the fast food restaurant weren't working. But Doug made a crucial mistake during his interrogation. He said he used his computer that Saturday at the office, but his employer found no evidence that Doug logged in. They couldn't find any evidence whatsoever that he had done to his computers what he said he did. Basically, we caught him. We caught him in a lie. Doug Mauser was tried and convicted of second-degree murder 
and sentenced to 15 years to life in prison, he continues to maintain his innocence. I, for me, this is the greatest failure of my life. The only way I live with this situation is that I did the best that I could. I did everything that I could think possible. Definitely a Jekyll and Hyde personality there. Yeah, one moment he's, he's Mr. Calm and Cool, and the next moment he's, he's something totally different. I think she would be really happy to know that, that people love her so much to, to fight to find the real answers to really what happened to her. And she would be happy to know that we haven't forgotten about her. The case against Mauser was largely circumstantial, but the photogrammetry helped convince the jury. Photogrammetry was the key element, um, and it was used to solve the case. And without photogrammetry, uh, this case uh, would have gone unsolved.